Good morning. Am I on? Good morning. Uh, I'm glad you made it. I, I, was, I was all worried about this sermon today, and then I thought, well, maybe nobody's going to come. Uh, uh, but um, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I, goodness, I don't think I can adequately express uh, just how good it is for me uh, to be here with each of you today. Uh, this has been a, a challenging week for me and for uh, our, our broader, broader denomination. It's been a lot more challenging for many other folks than me, uh, uh, without a doubt. But, but some of you may not be aware, and if you are a guest today, uh, Julie was right. You're a rock star, uh, even for making it out today. But, uh, uh, but if you're a guest today and you have no idea about the kind of stuff that I'm talking about from the last week, I apologize in advance. Hopefully you'll get something out of today. Uh, but, but some of you um, may be very well aware that this past week, um, elected delegates from uh, the global United Methodist Church met together in St. Louis, just across the river, a 20-minute drive from me, uh, to talk about and discuss differences in opinion about the hot topic uh, issue of human sexuality. Um, I was one of those delegates. Uh, tensions were high, uh, without a doubt. And news of the events were all over the media. Um, in fact, this, this crazy picture uh, of me, hopefully uh, we, we have it here, this, this picture of me uh, was, went all the way from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch uh, to USA Today and the New York Times. So, so unlike famous or infamous or something. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think really they liked it because of the photogenic beard. I mean, that's, that's what I'm going to stick with. But, um, but, but I can't tell you enough. I cannot express enough how much I appreciated your prayers and uh, the, the several of you who sent me uh, just uh, notes of encouragement uh, along the way. Uh, they, they meant the world to me. Uh, it, it, it was difficult and an emotional several days as our broader United Methodist Church wrestled with uh, whether to retain the historic definition of marriage uh, between one man and one woman or to open that up uh, to affirm same-sex marriage also. And in the end, our denomination by a slim majority upheld the historic definition of marriage between one man and one woman. Um, and, and in other words, for our denomination, nothing really changed. It is the same as it was before. Um, and regardless of how you feel about that, um, the, the truth is I, I've been appointed and called and am, am very pleased to be a pastor for every single one of you. Um, and the truth is a lot of people are hurting over this uh, from a wide variety of perspectives, quite honestly. Uh, most of the LGBTQ community and those who know and love them are hurting because this feels like an outright rejection of who they are. Uh, they, they, they wonder uh, why their so-called sin is being overly emphasized when all that they long to do is to love God and love neighbor. As a result, uh, many, many of them are feeling unloved, um, uh, unappreciated, and confused why it matters so much uh, whom they want to marry. 
but they're not alone in their hurt. Um, uh, the rhetoric in our culture and the message from many at the general conference was to label anyone who believes in traditional marriage, tr the traditional definition of marriage as a hateful bigot, as if it's impossible to love and to disagree. Uh, one very well-known United Methodist pastor went so far as to saying that upholding the traditional definition of marriage uh, was as bad as Ebola. And he said that in front of 300 plus African delegates, many of whom lost loved ones to that deadly virus. That rhetoric has created all kinds uh, of hurt amongst people who um, with good hearts are convicted that same-sex marriage is not a part of God's plan for people. And, and all of this, all of it, is threatening to just, I just want to be honest with you, threatening to tear our denomination apart at the seams. Uh, and, and for many, that creates all new levels of hurt. Because for many of us, we, we love the United Methodist Church. We love this church. And, and I really wrestled uh, with, with how to um, address you all today. Um, because people all around us, people in here, are hurting. Um, and blame my pastor's heart, uh, but, but when people hurt, gosh, I just hurt too. So bear with me if you would. Um, a, a little of my story. You know, I, I, I have come to love the Holy Scriptures, to love the Bible. Uh, almost immediately after surrendering my life to Jesus as a middle schooler, I craved the Bible. It was weird because most kids my age didn't. <laughs> but I, I would stay up late at night uh, with with like the light of the window coming through and read my Bible. Um, I had a deep hunger and thirst for the word of God. And, and truth be told, nobody was teaching me. Nobody was kind of put their arm around me and help guide me along and what to read, how to read it, what to think of it. I just read it. And, and I was so thankful that my, my junior high Sunday school teacher gave me this Bible, which is awfully beat up uh, right now uh, because I read it a lot. Um, not only have I read this one, but uh, many others that have become my main Bible, uh, I've, I've read cover to cover at least 10 times. Um, and I will continue to do so. Uh, the, the, the Bible has formed and, and shaped my worldview and my understanding of who God is and who I am and my relationship with that God. Uh, the Bible has directed and redirected my life countless times. It is the single most important source for discerning God's will in my life. And the truth is, you can't know God's will unless you know God's word. The word of God has challenged me, has convicted me, has shaped me and transformed me. And truth be told, it still does. It still does. And I take this approach to the scriptures because I believe it's the approach that Jesus took. You heard the passage that Julie read from Matthew 4 a moment ago, uh, Jesus' temptation. Great passage. We could dive into that, spend weeks just on it. Uh, but, but 
in summary, what I wanted to share today is every single time that the, the evil one came and tempted Jesus, whether it was with materialism or with hedonism or with pride, I mean, to kind of sum it all up, he, he tempted Jesus to, to lead himself rather than be led by his heavenly father. And that, that was ultimately the temptation. Um, every time Jesus responded with these three words, it is written. When Jesus faced temptation, he turned to God's word as the authority in his life. He showed that he was not in his human flesh, although divine, that he wasn't an authority unto himself, but that he stood under the authority of the written word of God because that was God's revelation to man that actually told all about him. And as Methodists, we've always turned to the Bible as our authority. Uh, our, our founder, John Wesley, said this about the Bible. He said, the scripture in its entirety, the Old and New Testament, is the most solid and precious system for divine truth. Every part, he said, is worthy of God and altogether our one entire body wherein there is no defect and no excess. Wesley believed that the, the whole Bible, all of it, was inspired by God. Now, I have encountered a, a couple, many, but, but a couple of really uh, significant problems when it comes to Christians in the Bible. And, and the first is, is what I, I have dubbed a Bible buffet approach, where, where think of you know, walking across a buffet, you don't eat everything, do you? You, you pick and choose. You, you take what you like and you, you, and you consume it, uh, too much of it probably, uh, and you neglect and, and stay away from the parts that you don't like so much. Uh, and, and, and inevitably, if you use that approach with the Bible, this is what happens. You inevitably uh, create a religion of your, your own choice of your own preferences. And, and doing so, when, when you approach the Bible that way, it causes harm to yourself. Because ultimately what you're doing is you're saying, my preferences are the authority, not the Bible. But equally dangerous and quite harmful to other people is when we weaponize the Bible, right? When, when we use the Bible as a way to hurt people and make people feel less than. And somehow we, we, we make Jesus something that he was never meant to be. We make Jesus a guardian of God's kingdom rather than the bridge into God's kingdom. If we ever find ourselves in a position of using the Bible to oppress or manipulate or to condemn people, we have crossed a line, several lines. Now, I can't promise you that you and I are going to agree on everything. In fact, even just making that statement is kind of laughable, isn't it? It's, it's probably more concerning if you and I do agree on everything. Uh, but, but I take my role as a pastor and as a teacher of God's word very seriously. The Bible has some very hard words for people who are entrusted with leadership of teaching the Bible to other people. Some very hard words. So I walk in reverent fear that I won't lead those entrusted to my care astray. You need to know that. 
So I want to make a couple of commitments to you that, that, um, uh, that you can hold me to. Um, I, I try to live by these commitments regularly. These aren't new commitments, but I think you need to hear them from my lips. First, I will never use the Bible as a weapon to condemn people. Never. Challenge and convict, yes, all the time, but never, never condemn. The, the truth is none of us is righteous. Uh, every single one of us deserves condemnation. But the good news of the scriptures is that in Christ, God has chosen to save us from our sin and, and no longer count our sin against us and invite us into his household. I mean, that's, that's the, the scriptures in a nutshell, that, that God came to save sinners and invite us back into the house that we ran away from out of our rebellion. That's the Bible in a nutshell. Um, so you, you need to hear this. Everyone is welcome at Troy United Methodist Church. Everyone. Uh, nobody needs to meet a certain standard to come to Jesus. Not a, no standard to come to Jesus. I think all Jesus said is, turn to me. Come to me. Uh, now here's my second commitment, and it's equally important. Um, I'm going to teach the scriptures as best I can. I, I will do my best to you know, make a joke here and there <laughs> and, uh, and make the message come alive and, and help us see ways that the, the, the scriptures apply to our everyday lives. And, and, and you might not always agree with me, but I will always try to be humble and compassionate when approaching any subject matter in the Bible. But at the same time, I'm going to lead us to wrestle with some tough stuff. With the tough stuff. I mean, the, when I say tough stuff, I mean the stuff that will offend our, our better sensibilities. The, the, the stuff that, that challenges our worldviews. The stuff that may put us in a position to have to choose between the way that we were raised and the ways of God. The, the, the stuff that if we took a Bible buffet approach that we would just like to pass over. There are parts of the Bible I don't like. There are plenty of parts of the Bible that I don't totally understand either. Um, that, but, but there are parts of the Bible that challenge me, that, that help me remember that I am not God and that I don't always know what is best for me. You have my commitment to lead us into difficult waters. In fact, next week, we're starting a three-week series entitled, and I did not plan this. I mean, I, I planned it, but I didn't really know how it was all going to fit like this. Uh, but we're going to start a three-week series entitled, Things I Wish Jesus Never Said. And we're going to wrestle with some of the tougher things that, that Jesus taught us. Come for those. <laughs> uh, but my commitment is to help us wrestle with the tough stuff. And, and, and that, that commitment comes from my, my belief in, in the value of the Bible as the authority for our lives. And I, I love how the Bible itself puts it. In, in Hebrews chapter 4, it says, For the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than, than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges 
the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. You know, even though the Bible should never be used as a weapon, as a weapon to condemn or oppress or manipulate, if we are open to its work in our lives, then I, I make this promise to you, it will hurt. The scriptures will absolutely penetrate in the kind of way that hurts. But it's the kind of pain that leads to transformation and healing. I, I liken it to the pain of, uh, uh, of a scalpel in the hands of a divine surgeon who knows just what we need to have our lives be transformed and thrive. So those are my commitments, my commitments to you. Uh, but I, I mean, this wouldn't be any fun if I didn't ask you to make a couple commitments too. Um, here are the ones that I hope that you'll make. First, I, I hope and pray that you'll keep an open heart to the scripture's work in your life through the, the power of God's Holy Spirit that helps to just bring them to life for us. And don't close off your heart or tune out when you think you're hearing something that you don't like. Boy, that's probably the time when you need to let God's Spirit work even more. Or, or, or don't tune out when you hear something that you think uh, you know, challenges something that you hold dear. And you don't have to agree with me. Uh, you don't. Uh, but if you want to grow as a disciple... Then, then you must continue to be open to God's word transforming you. Uh, yes, through our times together in worship, but also, but, but, but also in your journey group where you're wrestling with God's word in community with other people and in your own personal times of pursuing God where, where hopefully you're, you're diving into the scriptures on your own. I mean, it's, it's, it's in God's word that we grow and are transformed. And, and please hear this, eat from the whole buffet. No dieting here. Amen? No dieting here. Uh, I hope you'll make that commitment to engage the scriptures. That's, that, that's the first uh, commitment that I ask of you. Here's the second. I also ask that you commit to treating those who see differently than you do with kindness and respect. Gosh, that should go without saying for followers of Jesus, shouldn't it? I shouldn't it? And yet I feel like we got to say that now. I mean, in our current political and yes, even religious climate, it feels like kindness and respect is an endangered species. You can love and not see eye to eye on something. It is possible. But, but I also want to acknowledge and have you recognize this, that sometimes disagreeing really really hurts. I'd be lying if, if I didn't acknowledge that. Sometimes it really hurts. I think we're experiencing some of that as a denomination. But where does all of this leave us? I mean, where, where, where do we go from here? Uh, I'm just going to be honest. Regrettably, I've already received uh, some uh, resignations of membership uh, from people in our church. Uh, after the events in the UMC this last week, and, and it's broken my heart. Uh, it saddens me greatly. 
And maybe you've seen things on Facebook or on uh, in news media of other sorts that, that has saddened and grieved you too. Um, I, it was always my prayer. Um, I shared this a couple weeks ago that, that regardless of whatever decisions are made at the general conference, that, that we as a church family at Troy UMC could, could remain united in our mission. That, that's still my prayer. And I want to invite people on a journey with Jesus. A journey that's defined by connecting and growing and serving and sharing and, and, and worshiping together. A journey that if we take will never leave us the same, but will lead us each to transformation. And, and the joy for me, uh, the joy, really, the joy for me is to get to do it alongside you. That's, that's where the joy comes, is being able to journey with Jesus with others, together. No, we might not see things the same way, but we can still journey with Jesus together. You know, as I was preparing for this Sunday, one particular passage, uh, just repeatedly, just over and over and over again, came to my mind uh, as a vision for what we needed to be about today. Uh, and, and it's that second scripture passage from the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 22, the very last chapter of the Bible. Uh, it's, it, it, it recounts the, the ending parts of the vision or, or the revelation uh, that the disciple John had. And, and he had this when the early church was uh, really facing heavy, heavy persecution, and it seemed like all hope was lost. And in his vision, the, the angel showed John the river uh, of the water of life. That, that flowed down from God's dwelling place. And, and, and this really, what he was having, he was having a vision of Eden being restored. That, that, that same tree of life was there. The tree of life that sin and brokenness had kept humanity from uh, since their rebellion and expulsion from Eden. All the way back at the beginning of the Bible. And John saw uh, that the tree was bearing fruit. And a quick interpretation of what he's saying is it was bearing enough fruit for everybody. Enough fruit for, for all of God's people. And, and, and I love this. The leaves, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No more curse. God was with his people. We'll see him face to face. There will be no more darkness because... Because, and we won't need a lamp because we will all be in the full radiance of God's glory in his presence. And then the angel told John that these words that were written on this scroll could be trusted. That they're trustworthy and true and that those who keep them and follow them, that they'll be blessed. Friends, many of us are hurting Maybe you're hurting from the events of the past week in our denomination. Maybe you could care less because you've got so many other challenges in your life that are leaving you feeling confused or broken or hurting, whether it's health issues or relational brokenness or just patterns of behavior that, that seem to, to make you feel like you're trapped or, or even uh, attitudes that have held you captive in bitterness and resentment in your heart. I mean, maybe you're just simply feeling lost or alone or without direction. Whatever it is. I want to invite you to experience the healing of God today. I know I need it. 
And we're going to spend some extra time in prayer and worship and, and band. Uh, if you're out there, you can come on up. That's your cue. Uh, we're going to spend a little extra time in prayer and worship, and, and we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together, Holy Communion. And we'll, we'll also have um, uh, some pastors up here. Uh, I'll be on one side. Uh, uh, David Roderick will be over here. We might even have, if Dan is here, he'll be in the back. We'll, we'll have some oil. Um, and just after you take communion, you can spend some time in prayer at, at the prayer stations. Uh, those pads there are for kneeling, if you're not sure what those are for. Uh, but we'll just be standing to the side. And if you, if you just want to be anointed with oil, I will just take a little dab of oil, put a cross on your forehead. We'll pray for you just to receive the healing of God. Um, and I invite you to fully participate, everybody, fully participate. I hope that you don't walk out of here the same as when you walked in. But if that's going to happen, then, then we're going to need God to show up. Uh, so let's, let, let's sing together. Let, let's, let's stand and, and worship God together, if you would.